Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue here with Our American Stories and with our Memorial Day special. Up next, Joey Cortez brings us a story about the second battle for Fallujah in Iraq. This one back in November through December of 2004. Here's Joey. Following 9-11, U.S. Marine Corps Sergeant William Leonard was deployed to Iraq three times. On his second deployment, before becoming a sergeant, his unit was at the center of Operation Phantom Fury, the second battle for Fallujah. This battle lasted roughly a month and a half and resulted in 95 American deaths and 560 wounded. William was one of the wounded, and several of his friends were killed. Here's William recounting his experience after entering the city. I heard some fire coming from a couple of houses over. And so I take one of my guys and we go over. I said, I'm going left, you go right. I kicked the door open. I went left, he went right. I heard two gunshots behind me as soon as he went right. I didn't feel anything, so I figured it was fine. And uh, I knew there was a guy in this little room off to the left. And as I came around the corner, it was like a little... Uh, eight by eight little sunken room. I'm coming around the corner, he starts firing, I start firing. And so I'm just, we're both creeping our way around, you know, we're gonna finish this one way or another. And he ends up shooting me in the wrist and he shoots my gun. Crap, well he won. Uh, knocks my gun out of my hand, knocks me to the ground. He blows up the, 
hits the brick on the side of the building. Whenever he shot the brick on the wall, that completely peppered my face and I was I was bleeding from my forehead down the side of my neck and I still have like purple dots in the side of my face from it and shoots me through the wrist and I'm on the ground. Laying on the ground, he throws a grenade out, lands right beside me. It doesn't go off, I come back out and I grab my Corman shotgun because my gun was still laying out in front of the little doorway. And so I grabbed his shotgun, go back up there, toss two or three grenades in there and come around the corner, finish him off with a shotgun. I come to find out the guy who went right, there was a guy right behind me. As soon as he went right, he shot him and uh, he was kind of drawn down on me. So luckily he went right and got off two shots real quick. So that, that could have been a bad day, but it turned out to be all right. Just got a little shrapnel. They made it back to me out and they said it'll, we can't remove any of the brick out of your face. It'll all work its way out eventually. So it will get me back to my unit. They sent me back to Fallujah and uh, we continued on clearing houses. We uh, kept moving up, kept back clearing and one night we were kind of at our, uh, we were going to settle in for the night. And I think it was an old school, old elementary school, I think is what it was. And so there was still a patrol out and we hear gunfire. And whenever Marines hear a bunch of gunfire, they run towards it. So I grabbed my team. We took off, took off running towards the, towards the gunfire. Finally found it in a kind of a row of houses. But the south side of it was just a field. It was like a soccer field. So it was all open, and so we called in our CAT team. Well, they had all the, all the big guns, their Mark 19s, their 50 cows, and everything on top of their vehicles. They lined up in front of them, and they were kind of softening the houses that none of our guys were in. And we would kind of coordinate with them, go in and clear. And as I was headed into, headed into my first house, me and my squad leader, I stepped over a guy as I was going in, his name was Melvin Blazer. So kind of going back to when this all started, Melvin Blazer was my recruiter. And he came to my unit because he knew we were about to deploy. And so he ended up getting killed on that day, December 12th, 2004 in Fallujah. And I remember stepping over him, going into this house to go upstairs. It never, it didn't really sink in with me until later on that day. It just kind of came, I guess, full circle for me, you know. Uh, that's where I started and that's where it kind of ended for him. We went through, got to the front door. I went left, he went right. We cleared down, got to the stairwell. Kind of getting ready to go upstairs. We were hollering at guys to come help us. We finally got guys coming in and we started up the stairs. Uh, Sergeant Jason Ariano, he was my squad leader, he led us up the stairs. As we got to the top of the stairs, a grenade came rolling out in front of us. And it blew, I want to say about three foot in front of him, just right in between his legs. Uh, blew him up, uh, blew, I was right behind him, caught my legs with the shrapnel as well. Um, and we had a stack of people up the stairs and blew us, literally blew us all the way back down the stairs. We got to the bottom, he's on top of me, and I kind of squirm out from underneath. You know, there's blood everywhere. He is tore up, 
tremendously. And, uh, you know, you got all the, all the bad things running through your mind. It's just a terrible place where he got hit just right there in his thighs and you don't know how bad it is. And get him, get him down to the bottom of the stairs and, you know, he's looking at me and we're, you know, we were real tight. And he was like, you know, we got his, got his pants down trying to figure out what we needed to do. And uh, he said, is it, is it gone? I said, yeah, man, it is. And uh, he started to tear up. And I was like, man, I'm just joking. No, everything's still there, you should be good. Um, so he kind of had like a laugh cry going on there almost for a minute until I told him it was all good and uh, carried him out to the track and got him loaded up. And that was the last time I seen him for a long time. Turned around, went back in, and another pulled another one of our Marines out, Lario Lopez. Dragged him out. He was still kind of, kind of guppy breathing, and he he couldn't talk. Um, he was just barely able to breathe. So held him until he passed. Um, so then go try and find another house to go in, and just kind of turned into pulling more bodies out than it was fighting. So it almost kind of turned into more of a, a recovery than a firefight. So I, I just kept kind of finding guys as I was trying to go in and get into the fight. Kept finding guys to pull back out. We ended up losing quite a bit of our platoon and uh, quite a few other guys I knew. And by the time I was kind of trying to go back in, they kind of pulled everybody out and backed us all up and they just started dropping dropping artillery on it and decided that would be it. We got everybody out, dropped artillery, kind of went through and let the dust clear. We set up security on it just to make sure nobody else got out, none of the bad guys anyways. And um, I went back for the night, loaded up all the bodies on the back of a truck and they hauled them off. We, uh, you know, we kind of hunkered down for the night. Nobody got much sleep that night. Here's William reflecting on the men he lost. Staff Sergeant Melvin Blazer, he was my Marine recruiter. He's the one who got me into the Marine Corps. If you were to talk to him away from the recruiting office, away from the Marine Corps, you'd never know he was a Marine. He was the absolute nicest guy you'd ever meet in your life. Just this wholesome, genuine, nice guy. Sergeant Kirk, he was our platoon sergeant. Me being the tall guy that I am, he was about a foot shorter than me, but he had this voice. He was a little guy too, he wasn't very big, but he just had this demanding voice and kind of this aura about him that he knew what he was doing. He was confident in everything he did. For whatever reason, he uh, he was just one of those guys. He was a great leader, and he was a leader of Marines. Hilario Lopez, he came into the Marine Corps with me. You know, I still keep in touch with his family. Just such a good dude. He was super young. I mean, compared to me, I went in old. Uh, I think he went in at 17 or 18. Had his whole life ahead of him. He was just, um, you know, he was going hard and wrong place at the wrong time. Jason Clareday, 
He was in our platoon also. He was just a country boy from Arkansas. You know, a hell of a shot. We would be able to talk about hunting and fishing because we both kind of grew up in that type of area. Him growing up in Arkansas, he had this southern drawl about him and he was just, just nice as could be. I named one of my last horses after him. You know, it's, they leave a lasting impression on you. You know, they're the guys you strive to make sure that you live so that their memory isn't lost. And great work as always by Joey and a special thanks to William. Our Memorial Day special here on Our American Stories. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.